Welcome to Oops All Monsters, the deadly unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo with me, when he's not throwing apples at the murder hobos that brutally killed the green-skinned princess that rules this kingdom, is Gavin. And that weirdo with me is Hess. I had one, but it would give away the monster. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Well, just put it in your pocket. Um, in your cap. So uh, we are here to, as we always are, delight and edify you with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, literature, TV, as well as gaming from the console and the tabletop and beyond. On a rotating basis, each of us brings a monster into the shop unknown to the other presenter and discuss their origins and implications for the benefit of you, dear readers at home. Uh, there's a quick reminder that we r- reference images throughout the show in our describing segment and other areas. You can check those out on Instagram at OopsAllMonsters. Please check that out. That will uh, help you get with the vibe of what we're talking about. So um, because today is a Gavin episode, I will uh-huh. be dragging us over into our... Brief detour into strange and unlikely corners of the English language that we like to do at the beginning of every episode, known as... Villainous Vocabulary. Villainous Vocabulary. On today's Villainous Vocabulary, I have wrangled a word... Eudaimonia. Eudaimonia (laughs) is... E-U-D-A-E-M-O-N-I-A. It's got the daemon, demon, kind of D-A-E syllable in it. Yeah. yeah. Eudaimonia. It is a noun uh, that is a contented state of being happy and healthy and prosperous. Um, a contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Aristotle as usual, adopted eudaimonia as the term which, in popular language, most nearly represented his idea and made it the keyword of his ethical doctrine. So eudaimonia is kind of like yes. life in happiness and harmony. Go fucking figure. That's so pretty brought cool. That, yep. Wouldn't have, <laughs> wouldn't have known it. I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know. I, it was a new one on me. So that <laughs> eudaimonia has been our. Bop, 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 bop. vocabulary. Let's grind our gears on over into the story proper and find out, Gavin. How do you do? You want to? I will uh, spill I will across the red carpet into this subject. Propose that you would imagine, if you will. <laughs> okay. Yet I again. will accept. Uh, so, imagine, if you will, that you are a 12-year-old child, and you live in small city USA. And in your neighborhood, um, all of the children, including you, have been accused and punished for various small but criminal-like infractions, like vandalism and theft, things like writing on the walls, uh, breaking an older sibling's things, using your father's tool for uh, destructive projects, and the list goes on like that. Um, However, you have no memory of performing these nefarious deeds, and would have basked in the genius of their creative execution, had you remembered. 
Um, but one day at school, you notice your schoolyard bully about to take a drink of his apple juice. Oh, is this... Um, is this uh, Little Monsters with Howie Mandel? It's Howie Mandel's Little Monsters. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I had this in my pocket as like, maybe I would cover this soon, but I don't feel particularly strong about which one of us should have covered yeah. Little Monsters. Yeah, for those listeners, I was concerned if I was nah, stealing a Hess monster. Nah, I definitely would have gotten to it, but holy <laughs> shit. Um, because Little Monsters makes me feel weird. <laughs> oh, it does. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Uh, it it's a. I mean, I don't know if it doesn't make you feel weird, but no, Little I'm Monsters just... gives me puts me in a very creepy mental state. Um, and there there is more than one movie called Little Monsters, so make sure what we're talking about is the Fred Savage and Howie Mandel vehicle from nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. Um, what do you want to tell us uh, to, to open up about Little Monsters, or would you like me to just give my overall impression first? Uh, well, go ahead and uh, say what your <laughs> explain the creepy mood that you get in when we're <sighs> discussing Little Monsters, because that's new uh, well, to me. Well, <laughs> I will say that um, the direction is very creepy, by which I mean the, the choices that the director <laughs> makes... About how the monsters look, how they behave, <laughs> their their boundaries and lack of boundaries. And then basically ev all of the choices about monster world that they go into for the climax of the movie and the conclusion of it. Yeah. Is um, the monsters are very well achieved, but their world is very surreal and kind of arbitrary and and fake seeming but st still on some level there's, convincing there's a big explanation for that i um, believe it i don't i don't want to jump <laughs> to the end of the script for you but no that's all right the um uh i just my notes are just kind of covering all of it so we can jump back and forth any any which way but um a weird thing and it, it's included in the production trouble of this movie, which this is another movie with a gigantic laundry list of production trouble. Uh, something uh -huh. that happened was um, the set that they built for Monsterland, the original set was destroyed in a fire. Huh. So okay. that um, whenever Fred Savage goes into their monster world, and we'll describe... Uh, and explain how these monster worlds work here in a second. But um, yeah. the original set for it was destroyed, and that's why it just looks like scaffolding in fucking warehouses is because okay, <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, that's you know, as someone who's like look like you know, kind of looking through cinema history a lot, damn, you'd be surprised how often a whole movie burns down. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it it is not uncommon, and the and you know there are varied reasons for this because studios and 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 movie productions are just really dynamic places where a lot of shit is plugged in. Yeah, and stays plugged in at you know t huge amounts of electricity <laughs> yeah. in very bizarre situations where special effects and fire is being rigged up and yeah, there's big piles of art direction yeah. that are that are wrangled in odd yeah. ways and. A, a lot of sections are specifically built to explode at one point. 
Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> reasons why people are paid lots of money to make sure nobody gets, for instance, like, shot with a prop handgun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, topical. You're so drunk, you can't hit nothing. In fact, you're probably seeing double. I have two guns, one for each of you. I actually taught that to my students, like, the day after it, it, it like, broke. I was like, so let's talk about how this works. In addition yeah. to not wanting to be Alec Baldwin, there's another person on this set who you definitely don't want to be, and that is the armorer. Because um, I guarantee <laughs> yeah. a, a, um, even an, an, a fairly independent movie or a movie that's produced by somebody like Alec Baldwin that is relatively low budget, they would still, um, since they're operating within the Hollywood rules and guild rules, have to have an armorer, particularly yeah. if it's a gun, you know, a gun-toting Wild West a uh, shit-kicking movie with lots of guns being th tossed around. Yeah. Um, somebody's job is, is specifically to prevent that thing from happening. Yeah. So that guy is fucked. I have I have this uh, strange conspiracy theory that Alec Baldwin is just like rich enough to have arranged this because he just wanted to kill somebody at one point. <laughs> <in time. laughs> that is a scorching hot acetylene torch take <laughs> yeah that's a pretty that, hot take <laughs> that's like the lizard li secret lizard person that uh, is alec baldwin level conspiracy on that so you've heard it here first gavin and yeah. gavin only thinks that alec baldwin is a yeah. jeffrey epstein level uh human sport hunter who <laughs> yeah. wanted to surviving the game some people and uh chose to murder them on set with a prop six gun. Okay, we'll see if that makes it into the cut of the show. Yeah, it might but, not. Um, that might not. Make it. <laughs> but, <laughs> Did I save that for a special bonus Gavin Crazy Thought feature? I sus my official take is I suspend my judgment about that. But anyway, um, so that that does make sense. Well, I guess we should we should roll back. We should rewind yeah, the VHS to the. The beginning notions like about this movie or something, yeah. That this movie they were talking about. So, um, not having watched it that recently, I could tell you that Fred Savage plays a uh, a adorable rascal child who's yeah. probably meant to be like nine or ten years old, which is basically what his his whole jam was for like seven or eight years. There are no monsters. He's being mol molested is the wrong word. Harassed. <laughs> I use the word molested in the old timey version of yes, uh, being hassled, and it gets me into trouble. Uh, yeah. But he's he's being old timey molested in the sense that something is coming into his room and messing with him and scaring him yeah. at night, and nobody believes him. His, his dad and causing trouble. There's all kinds of like vandalism that he didn't do, but gets blamed for. Yeah, there's bullshit nine year old mischief happening to to his father Daniel Stern. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about his, that connection later. <laughs> and his annoying sister, who may or may or may not have ever been in another movie ever again. And he's just getting in, he's getting in trouble for for shit he didn't do. Yeah. And it turns out that the source of all of this is a wacky, madcap, Robin Williams energy, blue skinned, uh, you know, fanged like punk rock monster played yeah. by Howie Mandel. Right. Yes. Yes. And he kind of like 
Aladdin the movie genies into every scene and is like hyper manic. Baseball cards. I love baseball cards. Got them. Got them. Need them. Got them. Got them. Got them. Need them. Got them. Need them. Need them. Got them. Get them. Got them. Got them. Need them. Yeah. Talking his face off and 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 wagging props at you and and just giving off big like Dan Aykroyd directing his own movie energy. Yeah. He 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 goes. Well, I, I, the the point of the character is to be overboard, but he goes overboard with overboard. Yes, and a bit like um, if if Jim Carrey overdid it, it would be kind of like this. Yeah, he's really he's <laughs> yeah. really coming in. It, it's it's up there with like Beetlejuice level energy. Yeah, of coming in at a nine point five and trying to like punch the ceiling up into an 11 or a 12. Um, and so he's, he's really killing it. And yeah, he's playing, the character is officially named Maurice is the, uh, this, this weird, um, devilish kind of adult man. I guess it's the, I, one of the things that's weird about it that I guess I never processed is that like some adults are children and some adults are, or sorry, some monsters are children and some monsters and adults. Yeah. Uh, but, it doesn't seem to correlate that the the size of the child or the size of the monster doesn't seem to mean that they're more mature. Like, because Maurice is obviously played by an adult man, but he's acting like a 12 year old. And do all monsters act like Muppets or is, are some monsters just like goofy and some serious? Like the logic of it is a bit um, can, disorienting. There's, there's a lot of like world building in this, which is a point I was going to bring up. Like, uh, world building in movies used to be this completely different thing than what we see today, where most of these worlds are already built with like uh, superhero movies and stuff like that. Um, a lot of a lot of stuff nowadays are also like books and previous. Like everybody already knows about what it is and. Back in the 80s and 90s, nobody knew what the movie that they were seeing at any one point in time was about. So they Mm. had to build the entire world. And if it had things like monsters and um, fantasy aspects, then they had to explain the rules of everything. And they had to figure out a clever way to do that. And that's represented in this movie by Howie Mandel seeing the sun for the first time, like the sunrise. And then right. it goes into Fred Savage figuring out and then narrating, oh, okay, so a little bit of sunlight deforms you, and uh, direct sunlight will kill you. Oh, there, Thunder. Candles, matches, even something festive like this. This, is, this would be nice, but absolutely not a no bright light. Um, well, let me ask you, I can't recall... I don't think so. The monsters, they're supernatural, at least in the sense that they are able to like teleport through your closet or under your bed, right? Yeah. From into monster land. Yeah, it's under any bed is a portal okay, to right, monster right. land. Which is, which is extra dimensional travel to their, their realm. Yeah. But I can't remember if they're able to do, if they do anything else other than just be fucking like wacky. Like, I can't think of um, uh, Maurice doing anything. Like, I don't know if he's actually cartoon, like, pulling things out of his butt. Or I, I don't recall any um, actual yes. proper hocus pocus. Uh, Maurice can uh, open a 
can of tuna as if he were a can opener. Like, he holds it up to his teeth. Right, his teeth okay. is the cutting part, but his hands magically make an, a can opener noise and right. spin the can around. So it seems so. kind of like... like Yeah, they can perform small glamours. Uh, yeah, right, okay. <laughs> you know, you yeah, when you say small glamours, that does actually kind of click into place, is it's kind of like they're shitty fairies. It's kind yeah. of it's kind of really as if they're like really low low like underpowered unseely fairies. Yeah. Right? That meaning that they're kind of from the the a, a dark fairy realm that is very far from the heart of winter or summer. Yes. And they're they're kind of in this their own weird twilight space of nightmares. Yeah, they're they're the children stealing fairies and not the shoe fixing fairies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so they seem to yeah they can do minor pieces of uh, chicanery and kind of yeah. like illusion cantrips, but yeah. they don't they don't really have quote like capital P powers that are beyond anything that a low rent like Looney Tune would have. Yeah, right. that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, I think they're immortal. Yeah, uh, that seems plausible. Yeah. Um, because but, the main the main uh, monster, the the head monster in charge of this particular monster land, whose character's name is Boy. Yep. Um I think he was like an orphan from the twenties. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I have to say, just because you've put your finger on it, well, well, you've, I don't know how long this episode's going to be because we're just like rocking <laughs> through all of the shit that yeah. is relevant. Because yeah. I will say back to elements of little monsters that cause me to feel unsettled. Yeah. Uh, Boyd, or I always thought he was named Boyd with a D at the end, but it's just <laughs> yeah, boy as opposed to boy. girl. Yeah. And he's very upsetting to me for some yes, reason. Yes, he is. Um, also, it, his, his costume is that he's he has the face of a child, but he also literally has the face of a child. Like, he skinned a child to wear his right. face. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> you, and, like, in the back, his, like, skull and viscera is ripped open so you can, like, see his brain yeah. in the back, yeah. which is, which was... <laughs> very upsetting to me because yeah. the whole thing has a very like Tom Petty don't come around here no more Alice in Wonderland <laughs> like yeah. acid trip nightmare quality to it and then when they finally get to boy who I'm who I'm looking up now is played by, by the Frank incredibly yeah. revered actor Frank Whaley who, if, yeah. if you don't know him from anything else, is the guy Check out who... out his big brain. <laughs> yeah. Who is the guy who better not say what one more fucking time, motherfucker, <laughs> yeah. or he's going to have his b brains blown all over the fucking uh, wall by Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction. But if you look at Frank... <laughs> if you look at Frank Whaley's career, he's been in a colossal amount of incredible things, and he's yes, exceptionally he good. He's also in The Doors and a lot of other Oliver Stone stuff. Yeah. Um, he's not just a that guy. He's a, a really fantastic that guy. So, and I'm yeah. looking. He's got like he's how played many a couple of um, he's played a couple of like intense weirdo FBI agents. Mm, 
the the triangulation of his vibe is is kind of like it's interesting because he's got a little bit of like brooding and nefarious but he's not a manic guy at all he's he's, he's blended levels of like nerd in there also or kind of like like anxious suit but he's able to pull himself in all sorts of really good directions yeah he's Um, a pretty good actor yeah he's he's fantastic so um yeah boy is very upsetting because it kind of like it implies through the fact that his face is a fucking stolen child's face yeah. And, yeah. and the the literal like open brain hole thing on the back of his head that really he's like a doing a very crude wolf wolf in sheep's clothing thing that you know he's called boy but he's not really a boy yeah. so the, the subterfuge there is meant to disarm actual children from yeah. being like emotionally concerned about him but obviously he's the worst um cuz all of the other monsters are like terrified of him and he's kind yeah. of like the the mob boss of Monsterland, because they they bring yeah. the we Fred Savage character to him. We almost had him. He was becoming one of us. This movie, yeah, this movie gets dark in a lot of places where it's it it actually is supposed to be like a kids movie, like a preteen. Yeah. It was definitely kind of a like ten to movie. yeah, yeah. A, 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 like a tweener, like nine to twelve. Bring the whole family. It would have been in the family section at your VHS player, at your yeah. VHS store, right? It, it wouldn't have been in horror or comedy. But it, it, yeah, it does get really like dark and a bit taboo in certain parts. Like, uh, like one of the monsters, uh, uh, Howie Mandel pulls down Fred Savage's pants in the monster world, and one of the monsters like looks at him and says, "Nice ass," <laughs> and like Fred Savage is this ten year old kid. <laughs> Who's <laughs> obviously not like uh, uh yeah, ready it's... to be in a romantic relationship right now. <laughs> <laughs> Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. <laughs> and ready to be in a romantic relationship. Yeah. <laughs> that and and the the boy character who has a apparently skinned a child at one point in time is also the biggest monster which which kind of implies that he has also he's murdered children and that's how he is so monstrous or, or not just how but why he has like exposed brains and right. unlimited firepower like he shoots fire and yeah can do all kinds of nasty things because um hijinks and vandalism gets all these other monsters, like, glamour powers, but if you just straight-up murder children, then you can rule the underworld of monsters and shoot fire. Huh. So, <laughs> so, so that... Yeah. that I, I can't remember it that well, so the mechanic really is... It's kind of a... Oh, Monsters, Inc.? Yeah, it's it's kind of yeah. like... the Monsters, Inc. stole this mechanic. Uh, yeah, like, screams, did, yeah. screams, <laughs> and the fear of... The fear that is generated by children from the machinations of these monsters is the fuel that they need to do their business. It is a kind of an engine that feeds itself. 
Yeah, they they get uh, monstrous nourishment from uh, doing bad things to children. <laughs> yeah, well, I would say if anything, this is an extremely naive plot point because I mean they are monsters and things, yeah. and and things <laughs> that are not monsters also regularly murder children for um, actually nothing but, like, fucked-up sadistic pleasure. They don't even actually get anything out of it (laughs) that's even concrete in the slightest. So um, to call something a monster that, like, has such a profound taboo about child murdering that only one of them has ever done it actually (laughs) um, teaches us who the real monster is, dear readers. Exactly. Um, Because the worst thing that Howie Mandel is is make a fat bully drink piss. Yeah. (laughs) Who put piss in my apple juice? Another part of the movie that I found to be viscerally um, upsetting was, I don't think it was just the just the fact that the prank was like literalized on screen from yeah. imagining to execution, but also that like they showed every little bit of it, and that like Howie Mandel's like was like opening up his weird like punk rock monster zipper, yeah. and <laughs> like practically doing all of it on screen. Um, it was very like. I think you have an adult that's making a child like drink urine vibe to it. And it was like <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that I found to be kind of not the best combination of things when I was like 10. <laughs> Still not loving it. And I should mention that um, if I don't put clips of it in here, that there is a an episode of My Brother, My Brother and Me, uh, number 433, called Fred Savage Piss Warrior. Where they go into depth about um, the how often Fred Fred Savage has been in movies where he has weaponized his own urine, yeah, and um, this is one of them. So uh, yeah, <laughs> the l- let's give Mumbim Bam a little bit of uh, the boost that they need at this point in their career. Check out episode four thirty three, Fred Savage, Fred Piss, Savage Warrior. Piss Warrior, Piss <laughs> Warrior. Yeah. The uh, the bully that um, drank the piss is played by Devin uh, Devin Rattray, who's who was uh, the older the older brother of Kevin from Home Alone. Yes, and, he's consummate shitty yeah. shitty fat um, relative. Um, yeah, right? shitty yeah. fat relative. Yeah, he's kind <laughs> and, of and the um, the henchman of boy uh, named Snick, who is like a larger monster. Who's also like a punk rocker? I'll get into that definitely here. Okay, but um, is played by uh, Rick Ducommon. We almost had him. He was becoming one of us. Or Ducommon, yes. who was the neighbor in the Burbs. I want to kill everyone. <laughs> Satan is good. <laughs> Satan is my pal. Yeah. How could we not remember? <laughs> uh, yes. How could we not remember him as Art from the Burbs? comes over here to smoke cigars. His wife won't let him. He doesn't know I know that. Hi, Ray. How you doing, bud? Hey there, Mr. Peterson. Good to see you. The Burbs, sadly, uh, completely out of the purview of this show because the Klopex, spoiler alert, are just creepy neighbors who do mundane-ass homicide. Yeah. Um, they are simply Eastern European, I think. I think it was, they said it was (laughs) Polish or Hungarian or Romanian or something. Something like that. Klopek. What is that, Slavic? No. 
About a nine on the tension scale, Rube. Uh, what's his butt? Why can I not remember his name? Courtney Gaines? <laughs> no, 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 no. Bruce Dern is who is oh, amazingly Bruce Dern's still alive. Yeah. He, Bruce Dern Whoa. made movies like last year. Um, huh. Bruce, Bruce Dern is one of the greatest living actors. And even though he's, um, yeah, he is. yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's probably gravity is probably working its tricks on, on Bruce at this d- day and date, but Bruce, we hope you were well. And that I did not, uh, assign you to be, um, alive and you were, you were already a corpse. I'm pretty sure you are still alive. <laughs> oh, Somebody tied up in the old cellar, have you, Rube? Oh, yeah, and Bruce Dern was in The Hateful Eight in 2015. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, and he's yeah. he's in a new... There's a new version of Asphalt Jungle that's in pre-production? Holy shit. He's, mm-hmm. in, he's in, like, seven things that are in pre-production or filming right now. Um, <laughs> he's, like... He, he's not fucking around. Born in 1936. So, anyway... Um, anyway, I mean, when other I, whenever, people in this movie. <laughs> whenever we have a chance to talk about uh, the burbs, we should because it's specifically just beyond the purview of this show. Is yeah. because they're not monsters; they're just neighbors. Um, they're just neighbors that kill maybe people. Maybe we'll have maybe we'll have an episode called um, "You Know Who the Real Monsters Are" and then include monstrous people. Yeah, I need to. I need to to yeah. make a a list there to put what like. Send us your thoughts at oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. Yeah, I'm going to write down the Clopex. <laughs> well, we were talking about the guy that played Art, and I, and I dragged us off into... Yeah, yeah, I was going to tell you who else was in it. He's really good. He's also upsetting in that movie, in, in, in Little Monsters, like... Yeah, he is. Um, Rick Ducommon, uh, he's... Because a lot, and it's not that he doesn't do a great job, but he's also a case where his art department, his his makeup and costuming is also very upsetting. It's a, yeah. like a weird, ungainly kind of like turtleish, beetleish. Yeah, um, neck. Are you German? <laughs> kind of like hard to get around in suit that I guarantee was a bitch to wear every day. Yeah, the makeup for this. Must have taken a long time. Some of these, some of these actors are wearing like uh, full animatronic puppetry suits, like uh, the puppy person who has ears. Oh yeah, I hate that fucking puppy movie. person. <laughs> yeah. That puppy monster makes me very un un. <laughs> I am not crescent fresh after seeing that little puppy monster. I do not like it at all. Do not like it. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. I can't. I'm trying to think of another movie that gives me the like, nah, don't like this feeling that Little Monsters does, and just nothing is really coming to mind. Like mm-hmm. it is. It's a very uneasy feeling. Um, all of the time that they're in the underworld in Monsterland, I'm just like, nope, I'd like to back out of the room slowly, please. Um, let's wake the fuck up. I would rather be like f- combating Freddy Krueger in, yeah. you know, well, in that's... the, in the infinite boiler room of my nightmares than in this fucking place. <laughs> that, that's kind of what the, uh, it's similar to, but not at all exactly. Um, the problem that I had with it when I was a child, which was that 
they cover a lot of dark, uh, weird shit. And they do a lot of weird shit. But then the tone is, like, yanked uncomfortably back up to family-friendly in certain parts. Yeah. It was too fast for me as a kid because I wanted to be like, well, let's see more of this, you know, deviant monster shit. I don't really care about how innocent uh, Brian Stevens or uh, Fred Savage is supposed to be. I don't really care about... um, how his mother is upset about the divorce. I mean, I know that the divorce is terrible. Let's see coping mechanisms like uh, monsters taking a shit on a car or something like that. <laughs> but uh, they they never knock it back down to that notch. They always pull it back up um, intermittently to ca- take Gavin out of the mood. <laughs> yeah, well, there there's certainly, you know, there's this kind of like using kind of, punk rock imagery there's kind of using punk rock imagery and i would guess i would say kind of like modeled animalistic imagery in relationship to how the monsters are executed where they are kind of asymmetrical and blue skinned it's kind of a mix between like a video, the imagery is kind of like video game villains versus Star Wars races, yeah. like all like scrambled into a weird, like slightly tweener, tweener nineteen eighties edgy smoothie of yeah. of like radical man. I mean, like it goes so far as to on the collector's Blu-ray, you know, Maurice is holding up like a Dorito mischievously, and Fred Savage is like lifting his Ray-Ban shades. You're like, ha ha, cowabunga, guys! My yeah. having monster <laughs> friends is great, and so it's really riding that like mischievous but not um, but not menacing line. Yeah. Um, but I I disagree. I mean, it's probably successful because I bet the, mo- the movie like made a lot of um, of money. But nope. there, but it uh, it is like it is like I don't know. It's it's I think it's scooping into uh, sadism and um, I don't know, like boundary pushing in a way that I did that I found to be like, yeah, is this is, I, don't, I don't know. This bothers me more than a lot of things I've seen that's a pro- that's supposed to be very uh, totally appropriate for kids. It's supposed to be like P fucking G. It's just swimming with bow legged women. Yeah, well, it's weird that you would think that it made a lot of money. It didn't. It did eventually, but it didn't at release because guessed who the production company was. It was Vestron. Okay. Um, okay. Right at the collapse of Vestron, they went bankrupt. Um, I like this movie was part of the bankruptcy. Oh right. Um, so they probably didn't even pick up any money after it because they probably didn't have it as an asset anymore. Like the company probably didn't exist, yeah. which sucks because it probably made <laughs> it probably made a ton of money in VHS and like yeah, on cable it afterward. It made, it may, it must have made a bunch of money on like uh, HBO and like syndication, whatever syndication would be for TV movies. Like, um, because uh, it was on HBO in 1991 constantly. Yeah, and I remember that. And um, it wasn't advertised for the box office at all. And during August, the uh, whenever it came out in theaters. The other movies, its competition was Young Einstein, Uncle Buck, (laughs) 
Sex Lies oh, and Videotape well. in the fucking abyss. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely either going to go to the abyss or Uncle Buck. I mean, yeah. the amount of DVD copies I own of Uncle Buck is like perverse and hilarious because I, I have apparently for about 15 years had this thing where I was like, you know what movie I don't have? Uncle Buck. So I have like <laughs> I've seriously bought like six copies of Uncle Buck, two of which I gave away as presents. Like I gave I gave Mandy Uncle Buck twice, not realizing it. Um, like I am Uncle Buck may be my favorite movie. Like I I try I try to be really hoity toity. I'm like I like Blade Runner because I push my glasses up my nose. But in really reality, like if you're like. Yeah, here's a here's a six pack of Miller High Life and some and like Redenbacher popcorn. What are you gonna put in like the VHS player? It's gonna be goddamn Uncle Buck because you yeah, be Uncle Buck. You should see the size of the toast. I couldn't even get it through the door. Yeah. Fucking love Uncle Buck. It is the funniest movie in the goddamn world. I I will put it up. I mean. You know, maybe technically it's not as funny as like Blazing Saddles or or or, but I don't know. I'll take it anytime. It is just like so it swings <laughs> so hard. I love Uncle Buck so much. I'm Anita Horgarth. Buck melanoma. Molly Russell's wart. Not her wart. Not her wart. I'm I'm the wart. She's my tumor. My my growth. My, uh, my pimple. I'm Uncle Wart. Just old Buck Wart Russell. That's what they call me. Or, uh, Melanoma Head. They'll call me that. Melanoma Head's coming. And I think it's, like, maybe the best job of John Hughes, like, actually getting his, his point oh, yeah. tied around that where... Sh the that shocks the shit out of me every time that, uh, when I hear John Hughes directed Uncle Buck. Okay. Yeah, it's really? where he, it's where he discovered, um, that he wanted to use, um, uh, Culkin. That, like, yeah. he, he had this tiny little part for this, like, nef like, nefarious little kid brother, and then the the back and forth between him and like when he's like push, pull tells asks her to pull her ID out when she's like trying to prove that she's come <laughs> yeah. over to babysit and she's got it, her like glove in her mouth and she's going like pull it out like he's so funny yeah. you just want a movie about him and like that's why they made Home Alone he was like this kid in this dynamic is so charming let's just make a movie about him and it made like a bajillion dollars. Yep. And that's how you don't get molested by Michael Ch Michael uh, Jackson, everybody. That's how you don't get molested by Michael Jackson. <laughs> Did you ever say Michael Child molester? <laughs> so you don't get molested by Michael Child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh, yeah he's uh, <laughs> he lives down under the Walnut Street Bridge and he's he's <laughs> picking up cans. All right, but uh, wait a second. Let's pause to go into the apothecary for a minute, because I have to check oh, on my hams. <laughs> like, that's like, I literally have a ham downstairs. Hams. I want to make sure it's not on fire. So right. <clears throat> after we come back for the apothecary, we will discuss the rest of Little Monsters. All right. Little Monsters. Hi there. 
My name is Douglas Rassensberger, and I'm the CEO and founder of Douglas's Cutlasses. Have you ever found yourself in this situation? You've just gotten home from a long day of spurring growth at your small but thriving business. You're just trying to slice some quality deli meats and cheeses for a relaxing snack, and suddenly there's a mysterious intruder rummaging through your garbage outside. What's a domestic disruptor to do when you get in a pickle like this? Pull out your handy-dandy, short-handled, half-guarded naval sword, that's what. Here at Douglas and Colors, we've got every possible colors for every conceivable scenario. Are you an aspiring or current CEO of a Fortune 500 company? I've got a colors for that. A middle school teacher struggling to maintain discipline in the classroom? I've got a colors for that. Looking to add a little flair to drab dinner parties? I've got a colors for that. Some people say to me, but Douglas, I'm not a pirate, privateer, or sailor. What do I need with a battle-quality 27-inch half-guard naval sword? I'm so glad you asked. Here at Douglas's Cutlasses, our research shows that the vast majority of conflicts, both business and personal, can be positively affected by the introduction of a modest, well-crafted naval sword. So let's get swashbuckling. No matter what's your problem, an easy-to-wield iron-forged cutlass is probably the solution. So once again, I'm Douglas Raffensperger of Douglas's Cutlasses. Come get stabby with me. Please go to paypal.me slash oopsallbonsters and make a payment there. And that's oops with two O's. Again, that link is paypal.me slash oopsallbonsters. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Oh, I had, a, I had a thought while I was checking my hams. Which are cooking nicely, by the way. I love cooking fucking ham. It's not some kind of weird, like, show in joke where hams is a code for something. I literally am cooking yeah. ham. He's cooking uh, ham. I just saw them at the Aldi and I went, I want a cheap little ham. That's using your ham. <laughs> that is literally using my ham. So I had a thought while I was hamming it up downstairs that, um, I had earlier today. This is a total. This is absolutely not related to little monsters. So we're gonna we're gonna come into your thought after this thought. But um, since I opened our embargo on, uh, I cra- I broke our own rules and cracked the um, the show's embargo against sea monsters with last week's yeah. tentacles. I want to advise you to not waste your time by watching Deep Star 6 because <laughs> last last night I like just compulsively was looking for something to watch uh, and yeah, no, I second and that. I was like hey I'm going to make my partner watch Deep Star 6 with me it has to be the good one no, it's not the good one. What? Which movie is the good one? I did. Was all of the was all of my shit just based off of how good the abyss was, and then all I of the rest so. of it was crap? Because I know the abyss backwards and forwards. I even know the like extra yeah. special James Cameron. It's actually like an underwater alien city, and we talk to them. There's an extra forty five minutes of fucking movie no, no, shit. No, I- I think I know what you mean because I remember there being another one that isn't Deep Star Six and isn't the Abyss. So there might be another one. I 
I feel as if I'm being gaslighted by reality itself. And, but, yeah, yeah, this But I don't have a paranoid personality <laughs> disorder. Like, I just right. have a <laughs> shitty memory. <laughs> like, y- you probably feel like that all the time. I Constantly. I do not. Yeah. I I mean, I usually think I'm probably wrong about that. But when I haven't, when I haven't, in- was it Leviathan? Hey, what we did, we covered Leviathan on this show, and it wasn't yeah. that. It was like, it wasn't Levi- I mean, Leviathan it. was not. You know, Leviathan had a really cool cast in a way. About half of them were kicking ass, if you remember. And Peter Weller yeah. and and a lot of the down cast were actually doing a good job. And the pace of the movie is okay, but ultimately the shitty Stan Winston like fishman monster sucked ass. For anybody who hopefully yeah. didn't just listen to the Leviathan episode, that's basically it. Is the monster and the use of the monster sucked, um, and it, it didn't pay off the movie, and it was kind of like the script was sloppy. So it wasn't Leviathan. I mean, Leviathan. Maybe I liked it. Maybe I just liked all of these movies when I was eleven. And they all I don't fucking think it sucked. Was life Force. It wasn't no, because I know Life Force really well. Because Life Force was yeah, one of the yeah. first movies that I ever showed at my old uh, grad school bad movie night, where I probably I don't think I'd ever seen Life Force. And Life Force isn't about the water. Life Force is about a- like sexy vampire alien women coming down to Earth and destroying London. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's um, not life force because oh. I know me some life force because you you cannot you can't give me a Toby Hooper movie that's got like naked space vampire babes and not have me know about it. No, there's another one. There's another one, and I there's know. a movie called oh. Life Pod, which is a um, it's a ripoff of Life Boat by Hitchcock, except in space. Which you would think that's yeah. got to be good, right? Eh, eh. Like I think I think if some <laughs> like if somebody else did Life Pod, it would fucking rule. Because have you ever seen Lifeboat by like Hitchcock? It it is it's um, it's literally so. like it is the greatest premise movie of the the black and white era. It is about people surviving on a ship in the Atlantic Ocean after the, in the first scene they have just been downed by a German U-boat. Um, yeah. it's a, like an, an English uh, pleasure cruise. And then about seven of them survive on this lifeboat. And in the first 20 minutes or so, they rescue a, uh, a German U-boat, um, just like, like deckhand who is like basically dead when they find him in the water. And then the whole, literally the whole yeah. movie takes place on, on this boat in the fucking ocean. So Hitchcock has to direct the drama around an hour and a half of literally nowhere other than in this tiny boat. Um, and it is phenomenal, including that he finds a way to get his signature cameo in the movie, even though there are seven people in the fucking movie. So um, Lifeboat, <laughs> if you've never seen it uh, and you have any interest in, in an old, oldie moldy classic movies it is fucking incredible okay 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 was the uh was Levi did leviathan have a scene at the beginning where they investigate a submarine and like uh a prawn comes out of a corpse's mouth or something um i can't think of i can't say definitively whether there's a prawn um okay i have a memory from my childhood <laughs> that i've dug up just now uh-huh. of 
scientists or discovery or like a sal deep sea salvage people discovering a submarine with like a drone or something that has a camera on it. They're looking at a TV like it's like aliens. Uh -huh. And they see a corpse of a, of a submarine sailor and like a prawn yeah. thing. Comes Re out remote footage is mm -hmm. one of the essential tropes of the underwater mining future movie. Yeah. And I don't know. Th so that wasn't Deep Star Six, and that it wasn't definitely Leviathan, it, it definitely wasn't the, Deep Star Six. This is the Phantom <laughs> Memory movie that that we're having. Yeah, we. Oh, I gotta I gotta dig deep in my brain tonight. Yeah, well, not not right <laughs> now, but sometime we have to come okay, up with yeah. the grid of every movie that is in this weird subcategory of future <laughs> underwater mining monsters. Um, because <laughs> yes. it is, and then everything that's adjacent to it, right? Cause you, you know, what's that, um, what's that, uh, movie with, um, um, let my homage be the rocks or the trees and the birds in the sky where he's like a space sheriff on a, on a mining colony outland starring Sean Connery. That movie actually <laughs> kicks ass, but it's space mining, yeah. not underwater mining. It is in the future. Yeah. There are no monsters. The monster is like space drug capitalism. But um, another movie that's outside the purview of this show, but that I would otherwise totally do. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to write Outland as something I would want to cover in this show, is the, where the monster is um, space drug capitalism. All right. F so future <laughs> underwater. I don't know how much of this is going to make it in the show. Underwater mining. Oof monsters maybe all of it because this is a this is a deep dive lift embargo regarding the punk rock and overall bizarre yeah. uh, aesthetic of these monsters um you had a specific thing that you wanted to bring up yeah well there's a a, a lot of these monsters are dressed like punk rockers they have like sleeveless denims or sleeveless uh, leather or just leather jackets, or studs, or spike bracelets, um, and not just like one article of clothing, like yeah. all of it. And that suggesting that they're mostly consistent of punk rock runaways. And one of the things that uh, follows a lot of punk rock runaways is a big old sense of whimsy. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, um... It's definitely, if you think that you could just run away and survive um, on the street, you would have to have a certain type of thinking. And, and then to actually do it, um, it might definitely drain the whimsy out of <laughs> yeah. it. But you, st you still have it there to begin with. Um, but imagine if an entire network of uh, fairy beings could take you just under your bed and you could live forever breaking shit and causing trouble and having it blamed on other people instead of going to the street uh, to become either an alcoholic <laughs> that avoids dope or even worse, like a full blown right. dope Right, but like, you'd still get a jolly pirate <laughs> nickname and get, get people to... Yeah, you still get a nickname, you still get a bunch of friends that do yeah, that and stuff. commit yeah. urine-based pranks. Right. Yes. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And the, yeah, like the, the theme of the monsters being punk rock fits not just because it's 1989 and that's what mm -hmm. you did, but it's, it's pretty much, uh, uh, an, an apt example. It's a, it's a, 
it fits. So would you are you going so far as to say that the allegory of the show is like th- to join up with the monsters is to kind of like t- like tune in, drop out, become become part of that like anti culture that like that monster land yeah. is represents like d- shuffling <laughs> off all of the pretenses of of like bullshit suburban bourgeois life. Yeah, because who who cares about your broken divorcing family uh if you have to worry about the sunrise <laughs> killing you? <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Advantage though, you're forever young. Well, disadvantage though, you have to scare. Okay. Children. Advantage though, you get to scare. Well, children. if only, if only there were some kind <laughs> of. I can't imagine what it would be, but I could, If only there were some sort of visual representation infographic where you could take this movie. <laughs> And I'm just spitballing here. Lay it you down can, on top you can of. You say Venn diagram. Damn it. I told you no more embargoes. Another movie, like, say, Lost Boys. And, and in the in the overlapping areas right. in between Lost Boys and Little Monsters, you could see the characteristics that they shared in common. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of like imagining two, like, pizza slices almost that clashed oh, or ran over each other. And then on either side would be the characteristics that were not shared by the two properties. Okay, okay, okay. I have another good point um, to bring up about this movie that involves uh, Lost Boys being in this Venn <laughs> okay. diagram. You can say Venn diagram. Lift embargo. A lot of reviews that I've seen of this movie, people have assumed that the way that the monsters uh, become monsters is they don't procreate because they're Ma- like, mangled uh, new art beings. penises. So um, they have to kidnap children, but I don't think they kidnap children. Uh, okay, on purpose to get more monsters. I think they have to be like that would be the really that would, like, that would be the, that would be like the really fairy thing to do is if like vampire chosen. You know, you could you could complete the loop if the story yeah, was know, that this know, was but, these were the olden timey fairies that would replace your baby with like a block of fairy wood. You know what I mean? Oh, Yeah, but I think the process, well, I mean, that that would still fit and everything. They still take kids, but the kids that become monsters would have to go through a harder okay. process than just being kidnapped. Like, they would have to be, they would have to be shown the world, they would have to accept the world, they would have to get approval from uh, their sponsor monster, or um, and and also boy. Like they they would do something that wouldn't be, <laughs> okay. uh, overthrow boy and have a monster revolution. <laughs> so it's more like beco- it's more like becoming Mormon or Amish than it is. Yeah, yeah, or or a vampire. I would say a vampire. <laughs> so many times the it's Amish just, are. It's are because of those. It's because of those weird horny Amish <laughs> vampire novels that are also sometimes in space. That sounds like I'm joking, but you know that's a thing, right? There's a whole massive subgenre no, of horny Amish thing. vampire novels. Like I, I, I've never. And then everybody listening to this was like, "Go on." I don't know about it. Fuzz is always fucking talking about it. It's a massive, like, cheap pulp novel genre of of novels where 
like horny Amish people end up being turned into vampires and like uh, hunting each other and turning them over to the dark side. And sometimes they're even in space. I I please please the punk librarians okay. that are hearing the sound of my voice confirm this for me in a substantiable way. What was that? It is super it's, a thing. It does like, seem to be a thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be yeah. within the purview of this show. Maybe I'm going to cover that later. Maybe for the, for the new, for the new year, if somebody has a specific recommendation right, on the be best blast. horny Amish vampire novel, you get us at oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. I will read the best one. Um, otherwise I'm going to have to consult fuzz about it and you know, who, who knows right, uh, there's, uh, there's probably a Reddit about yeah. it, but do, is that how I want to use my clicks? I don't, I don't know if that's the part <laughs> of it, the internet I need to be on. Um, I don't know. Fuck it. I've seen way worse shit. It's not a big deal. Did you notice anything weird a minute ago? This is the second movie where Howie Mandel has had to yell bright light, bright light. Nothing. I know. Do you know how few people know that Howie <laughs> Mandel is the gremlins of gremlins? <laughs> Approximately 0.8% of people. I bring it up. Every time, like, Gremlins comes up, because yep. I also have, like, really... So I'm not going to do it for the show because it's just, like, a weird flex that nobody will enjoy. But, like, I have... Of my, like, monster voices, I have really, really good Gremlin voices. And sometimes people will, like... I'll do it because yep. some Gremlin shit comes up. And people are like, Look, I, I love Gremlins. Gremlins, Gremlins, Gremlins. Sexy lady Gremlin. And I'll be like, I actually have a lot to say about Gremlins. Did you know that Howie Mandel is, like, all of the Gremlins? Like, no, I had no idea. <laughs> No, no. What happened? He hates bright lights. And nobody knows that that Howie Mandel is actually Howie Mandel is probably going to be a recurring like performer on this show because he's at least in Gremlins and he does so much voice shit. There's got to be another case where he's like a live action non-human, yeah, right? He's. Have you ever seen that '80s movie where he's like oh, a wild man who's kind yeah. of like um. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a proto dog, dude. Walk like a man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is it I have walk like a man? fond memories of really enjoying yeah. that back when it came out. And I think I've seen it a couple of times. I really like Howie Mandel. Yeah, it's. It's a pretty good movie. <laughs> it was like if Encino Man kind of made sense and was and was not and was not about like. Yeah. Um, I don't know, <laughs> Gen X nihilism riding a skateboard. <laughs> like Gen X Pasadena. Where were they? They were in Estonia? And fuck. Yeah, they were in Encino. <laughs> Encino? Is where they were. <laughs> have I told this? Stop me before I tell this story again if I have not. If I've told it. <laughs> You're going to keep laughing about that. Yeah. <laughs> I lived in Southern California for nine years, no, and I was never in Encino. I will say, tell me, no, it's not a place you need to go for any reason. Really? Um, I, I, I went to, um, there was this one time, huh. the, the, Hollywood Forever Ce the, the Hollywood Forever Cemetery is this really amazing cemetery that's right in the middle of fucking Hollywood. It's historic, it's got... Um, a few really incredible people buried there. I mean, they're all great, but some of them are, you know, Hollywood important, you know, famous. Like, there's a Ramon yeah. there, I think. I don't know. 
But the point is, it's like the big famous in the middle of Hollywood cemetery. And it's also a massive venue. They project movies on the side of this giant mausoleum. And you lay in this open park as part of the cemetery and like watch it. And it's like this picnic with a thousand people. And I went alone during this period where I was like had zero friends and lots of desire to drink champagne in a, in a cemetery while watching black and white movies. And I went to uh, Frankenstein's Bride of Frankenstein by myself, like a fucking creep. And you also had to like wait in line for like a goddamn hour if you didn't drive in and pay <laughs> for the parking. Like the walking line was like basically around the block. So you would be standing in this line of people marching in for seriously over an hour sometimes. And I had gotten in. I actually got in late and I got a, a shitty seat. I'm, I'm talking like literally maybe 2,000 people on this gigantic lawn watching the, uh, you know, black and white movie a thousand feet wide on a side of a mausoleum. It's really incredible if you're in, it's a destination thing to do if you're in LA, but it is so difficult to do. Uh, trick, I learned that if you have a way to do this, go into West Hollywood, rent or borrow a bicycle, you bypass the walking line and go into the parking line. But anyway, uh, I, I'm like late to Bride of Frankenstein. Bride of Frank- Frankenstein fucking rules. It's better than Frankenstein, honestly. Um, and <laughs> hot take. And I'm, yeah. I, I, and I, and I'm sitting there and I'm, I think I probably had like, I don't know, three Miller High Lifes and a bottle of champagne in my backpack. And I had just opened the bottle of champagne and drank about a, a, a third of it as Bride of Frankenstein is literally half done. Like the movies, the, the night is on its, um, decline when four total, like, um, SoCal, like Latin bros who are probably 17 come in super mega fucking late and like crumple down in this like area behind me. And there's people like you cannot reach out farther, farther than like five feet. That same fucking night, the what's his name? The bald Scott guy from Anthrax. He was sitting like seven feet in front of me. The <laughs> Scott, whatever his butt, the main anthrax guy with the goatee. Scotty. And yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Stuff. He was seriously, I could have like spat on, on him if I wanted. He was like right over there. <laughs> and um, so these guys come sit down like to my rear left. And I was like, um, hey, guys. And I like, I gestured like, you want some champagne? And this like 17 year old <laughs> like metalhead from... Southern California, it was like, oh, yeah, bro, cool. And, like, (laughs) drank out of my champagne bottle. And I was like, you guys are pretty fucking late. And he's like, yeah, I had to call him all the way down from San Dimas. And I was, and I, and I, and I, I made the appropriate gesture and said, dust, wind, dude. And they were like, huh? And I was like, San Dimas, Bill and Ted's actual adventure is like, oh, yeah. Actually, we've never seen that. And I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) this 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 is happening and you are just living the thing. It's not a caricature. You are this thing. Apparently, this is just how bros from San Dimas are. (laughs) They're just dudes (laughs) who get into situations, man. (laughs) And that has not changed in like 25 fucking years, apparently. Excellent. So, yeah, that's my San Dimas story. Never been there, but the bros still sound like that. Bodacious.
bro. What is there to say about little monsters that we have not covered? Fred Savage, did he really uh, get abducted by magical fairy monsters Mm. or did he make up a schizoaffective world to cope with his (laughs) divorcing parents Mm. uh making his life a living hell and having to come to the facts the the fact that he is his own father (laughs) how would he be his own father (laughs) because the guy that played his dad is daniel stern who who is Fred the voice, the voice grew up from Wonder the, Years. The voiceover of Fred Savage's character in <laughs> yeah. Wonder Years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if I can do that trigonometry in my head during the course of this episode. I think I might have to take that home and work that work, do that as homework, uh, teacher. So otherwise, um, my eyes are gonna start looking in different directions and I'm gonna start throwing bleach on the street. So let's just yeah, it, I like, cannot I little <laughs> Little Monsters is the story of how a uh, time paradox makes uh, a, a, an imaginative coping mechanism real whenever you find out that you're your own father. Tra- trapped in an, in an <laughs> trapped in a infinite it's cl- all metaphysics <laughs> closed causal loop of non-stop suburban time ranging from the early <laughs> 1960s until I guess it would it would have to include the 90s for some reason. Fred yeah. Savage's chronomancer character who is also sometimes Daniel Stern is oh, shit. <laughs> Daniel Stern is trying to solve his own divorce problems by fixing his inner child who escapes to a dimension of his own creation to make a survivable space for his psyche. And yeah, God, (laughs) why did you do this to me? (laughs) Because I like to look beyond the look. (laughs) I'm glad that you did this episode and not me, because I don't know that I would have had the, uh, Caddy Wampus view on this to <laughs> to link those links together. Um, oh God damn it! So Perf- Professor Gavin Longshanks, renowned metaphysicist. Yeah. So who? All right, all right, all right, all right. So who's Winnie Cooper in Monsterland? The puppy? The puppy bitch? Um, possibly. Because I was who may or may not have. Hey, get this: who may or may not have been played by Kayla Savage, the puppy monster? Is that another Savage from the Savage family? Is, is Ben and Fred and Savage's sister? Yes. Um, I have no awareness of Kayla Savage. She says she's in Little I Monsters. I don't think she's in movies. Yeah, she's in Little Monsters as uh, she's she's credited as a little monster, but I'm pretty sure that she's the puppy monster. So you would have to include your long lost sister. <laughs> and also the little brother is there with like the he, yeah the little with the little fucked too, up yeah. little horns. And then that that would that would create an interesting mystery to wonder why is my sister starting off as a monster and not my sister my brother starts off as my brother and the monsters want my brother the really the really want my brother is my sister the really difficult thing is also that thanks to the guy thanks to what's his name who's art from the burbs who plays um who plays what's his butt um snick sid split 
whatever. Sneak. That we have, we have, and Daniel Stern, we have a natural reason to loop in the Home Alone-averse or the John Hughes-averse into this, thanks to Daniel Stern. And once you add Daniel Stern as a possible ingredient to this, like, super universe, it really cracks open a lot of dangerous things. Could you be like, why is Diner such a weird movie about, like, boomer self-indulgence? It's because, actually, (laughs) it's an escape that Daniel Daniel Stern is using to, to... manage the breakdown of his psyche during his divorce. It is, it is an over glamorization <laughs> of a period of his life in his, you know, early adulthood that is, is romanticized beyond this, the realm of normal romance, normal reality forces him to set out to find Curly's gold. Oh no. Hey, and that also <laughs> brings us back to, uh, What's his face from Monsters Incorporated? Billy, Billy Crystal, Crystal from Monsters Inc. This yeah. is a very dangerous <laughs> theory that we have just yeah, devised. This is a d- <laughs> the Daniel Stern, the Daniel Sterniverse, could break Wikipedia, and I don't know that I don't know that your um, that your your Windows hard drive is ready this for is, it. This is all loose cannon. <laughs> damn! Damn it! <laughs> Um, oh, man, I'm on fire. <laughs> uh, so, I, I don't know, I, I think 8% of our audience is, like, really just here for it. and Man, the people that are getting this are laughing their asses. I'm really pro, uh, I'm really pro Daniel Stern. I think he's, I think he's, I think yeah. he's really funny. I think he's a really charming, funny individual, even when he's playing, like, a, 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 a LP pedant, you know, to his beautiful newly wed wife in uh, in Diner, which I, I will keep bringing up because I have a weird fixation <laughs> on the movie Diner. And I I love Daniel Stern. He's fucking amazing. Even if he even if he wants to murder an eight year old child in Home Alone one and two. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, they at one point. Uh, proposed killing. They're people. gonna kill him. Is the premise? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. definitely the point. Is they're gonna kill him? You know, like I. It's that's the weirdest underlying premise to the movie. Is oh, I, I know. Cer- I forget that. Certainly, like, Joe Pesci is gonna kill house, this kid. They get mad enough. Yeah, Joe Pesci wants to kill. Joe him. Pesci's <laughs> definitely planning on killing Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> oh everyone it's my birthday time to pay attention to me well now that now that we have broken the in the the weak interdimensional barriers in the the daniel sterniverse what are our other last takes on on little monsters that we may have, have may have missed or are we good uh pretty good pretty good uh maurice is a great costume it really uh, is it's evocative. I've seen yeah. a lot of um, DIY Halloween and and cosplays of Maurice. Yes, it's a it's a lot of work. Um, you know, doing anything that's got a major, uh, like full full skin costume blend plus horns where you can see where they're attached plus fangs. Uh, 
Yeah. It's a it's a heavy lift for a cosplay, but I've seen some really good ones uh, clicking on. I've seen some good ones. Uh, Jesse Merriweather's kids, uh, one of them dressed up like Maurice once. Jesse Merriweather is the commercial actress who said lint liquor. <laughs> okay. In the Orbits commercial. Oh, okay. Yeah, I follow her on a bunch of Jesse <laughs> Merriweather. Okay. Uh, well... <laughs> Yeah, maybe consider being Maurice and no other monsters from this movie for your next cosplay. <laughs> uh, at least, if not, if you're going to see me in person, because I will not react positively. The great Oz has spoken. Final takes on Little Monsters. I like the movie, but man, it, uh, you know, it's a little, it's a little bit like a... It's a little bit of a butt plug. You think it's a good idea, and you're like, this was too much. All right. Uh, butt plug for Hess. I love it. Gets a flashlight for Gavin. And, um... Which is also, like, I don't really want to dust that off and watch it. Really. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole damn process. You got a mental... You got a, yeah, it's a whole it damn process. It requires a preparation. <laughs> you don't just... You could just watch something in half an hour. <laughs> Yeah. That you get equal entertainment out of. I'll just watch an episode of... Yeah, ironically, I can just spontaneously <laughs> click Deep Star 6 and watch n nine people diligently preparing to do underwater mining for literally an hour and 20 minutes before there's a fucking monster on the screen. But, um, yeah, no, there's, yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a creepy... There's a creepy boy with blue light... On his weird makeup job with part of his brain sticking out the back, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not ready for it. I have to have the day of preparation, you know. <laughs> yeah, little monster, little monsters is little monsters. It's 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 the <laughs> it's worth knowing about. <laughs> little little monsters ask for consent. That's that's yeah. <clears throat> uh. Maybe on Christmas. All right, so uh, yeah, I I mean I give it the thumbs up. Yeah, you just you just got, you yes, just got thumbs. Oh yeah, you, yeah. We we never really no, said. No, I anything. like little yes, monsters. Yeah, you it's just gotta watching. yeah, you just gotta tell your partner that um, <laughs> you gotta ask them if they're prepared to do little monsters with you because it's not a not an everyday thing. <laughs> so um, let's get the fuck into the section of the show where it ends. It's almost yeah. the end of the show. Almost the end of the show. Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it bitchin' van art? Oh, we have to ask, is it, is Little Monsters. Is it, oh no. Bitchin' van art. Yeah, no. No, it would look. Too much like a pro. It would just look like the cover of a VHS. There's no. I've yeah. I've been looking at images. Yeah. It is you know it's blue would be your, your or you know but there's no. <laughs> yeah. I would you know, yeah. yeah. I'm curious if anything that's Howie Mandelish is is bitchin' van art. I think you could. I think yeah, I mean Howie, Gremlins. Yeah. You could probably uh, get Gremlins there. Uh, I but yeah. it's a stretch, right? Like Joe, Joe yeah, Dante, just anything that's Joe Dante does not necessarily feel like, um, you know, it's, it's not a wizard with a bastard sword on fire, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's, it, it might look cool, but it is not bitchin' van art. All right. So yeah, that's a, that's, um, 
Fiction fan art is becoming a deeper and deeper thing. I've come to. Oh, how do you mean? You mean in terms of the rule? The rule well, set Well, like for some it? things that make really, really good pictures are really interesting. Like uh, even like art projects yeah. uh, would not. Yeah, I don't think that bitchin' fan art is necessarily <laughs> the most valid creative medium ever. I think it just is. No, it's, it's useful for talking about on this show. <laughs> it it it. it Tells us one definitive, I mean, you know, pretty soon we'll have a pretty (laughs) notable list of whether things are or are not bitch and van art. Um, for whatever yeah, that's well, yeah, I, it's... you know, if you have a, if you have a plan for everything, maybe you're, you're taking too much time. So, uh. Well, maybe we'll get sponsored by like a van company yeah. shop or something. If 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 in ten years I get <laughs> a free, if I get a free fucking used box van out of it, that's fine. I mean, yeah. that's not what I was digging for, but like, I just love dumb boxy GMC and Chevy vans, uh, Ford yep. vans, diesel vans, gas vans. I like them. The boxier and boringer they are, the more I like them. Just cover them in flaming bikini dragon riding wizards. Wizard <laughs> fuckers. All right, so now that we know that it is not. Is it, is it, is it, is, is it bitchin' van art? Let's get on to the part of the show where we discuss a acclaimed actor, a grumble enthusiast. And a hat provocateur, Tom fucking Hardy. Hardy. The segment on the show where we describe Tom fucking Hardy. Here we go. I got it. I go, whoa. Uh Tom Hardy's MySpace profile has emerged. (laughs) All right. Okay. So, uh, you know... Actually, I'm going to save it. What occurs to you first when you when you see this? Did you see this very atypical version of uh, incredibly uh, normally handsome and um, alluring actor? What, what do I think is who's this Green County douchebag? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's. It's not his best look. First of all, this has got. To, well, this is during the MySpace years. We know that because yes. this is from his MySpace, MySpace profile. So hopefully, this was not his profile picture. But it is a. Um, it is a bizarrely casual, casually posed photo of <laughs> Tom Hardy. It, well, I guess in between what I imagine is his kitchen and his living room, you can see the kitchen back there. Yeah. Which also, now that if I zoom into it, appears to be festooned with about uh, not. I don't know if those are liquor bottles back there on the counter. Yeah, that looks Probably. like clear, that looks like mostly empty clear liquor bottles. Yep. He is uh, not. I would say. Not in the best shape of his life. He's probably got about a third of the tattoos that he normally has. And this is w- this is pre 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 jacked up, right? Yeah, he, yeah. He's this doing is duck face. <laughs> yes. And he's <laughs> and he's also he's wearing the worst, the young ones, overly lar overly baggy tidy whities that I you could get 
at whatever shop that they had in England in in two thousand and two. <laughs> you know, it, it those are that is the worst tidy whities abuse. It reminds me of I, I think it was the Neil in the Young Ones was walking around in his underwear for like half an episode. Yes, which, and which earlier when I was trying to look for this image, I saw this image and I was like, what does this remind me of? And then I immediately went to Google and Googled here this FBI Young Ones underwear. Uh, and that's why I searched for that FBI. And then I was like, oh, shit, that's not a good thing to Google. And then I added, BB, yeah. I added BBC, Rick Mayall, Neil, and just to make sure to cover my tracks. Vivian! 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 Honestly, whenever anything explodes in this house, it's always blame Vivian! Well, who do you suggest we blame? I was not looking for young human beings in underwear. I was looking for the episode of the BBC comedy, The Young Ones, where Neil is only in his underwear, because that is what this looked like to me. (laughs) Young Ones underwear. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no. It was one of those instant things. I know. We've said the Young Ones so often that we don't. We don't think of those words. It's, yeah, if you're if you're are. a <laughs> if you're a consumer of Oops All Monsters and you are not familiar with the 1980s BBC uh, absurdist comedy, The Young Ones, run, don't walk to your um, to your nearest, I don't know, retro VHS store, and do not get the ultra stupid edition. It's much better if you get the originally aired TV versions that are tight and small and random and make no sense. But yeah. um, watch the young ones, and also Google this image where T- Tom Hardy is trying to seduce us with his least ability and most effort. Yeah. It's it's awful. He's <laughs> he's doughy and pale and, and curved wrong. He's tr- th- I I guess he thinks he's being sexy, but he's like arching his back the wrong way. <laughs> he's. Yeah, he's he's giving he's giving yeah. stomach and sucking his chest. Yeah, he's giving <laughs> off big like yeah, Beaver County like baby bump uh <laughs> on the Tinder profile vibes. Like he's he's pay, he's emphasizing all the wrong things but still with maximum confidence. It's yeah. a, you like you go to swipe left or swipe right and you're like, "Huh? Why? Why did you why did you why?" <laughs> This is a hard swipe left. It is real. And and it's Tom fucking Hardy. Like he, this is as if like, if he yeah, tried if, to make himself less appealing, he could not have succeeded. If maybe if he had a fedora and a cigarette, I don't know. Like, yeah, if, yeah. he needs a fedora and a cigarette in this picture. That would, <laughs> if there was a, if there was a woman in her bare feet behind, like a, behind a ben him, Roethlisberger poster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ben Roth- Ben Roethlisberger like slamming some icy light, not on a poster, but just in his kitchen for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> like, on his on his two thousand and one Nokia phone, like why are you partying with Ben Roethlisberger before he's a successful quarterback? That's a really bad look. Yeah. You just got to get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> 
so it's a terribly terribly delightful picture <laughs> i just don't want to think yeah. i don't want to think yeah. neg- and uh, as negative as it does this- look like he's saying yin swiping right hey <laughs> <laughs> there y- yin swiping right or what yeah this isn't pittsburgh dad this is this is pittsburgh nephew yeah, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh nephew, you ain't swiping right or what? <laughs> Come on over, we'll watch uh, we'll watch uh, Commando on VHS and that. Yeah, you gonna <laughs> you gonna eat them fries you left on your plate there, or them's uh, open for anybody? <laughs> you gonna eat them fries there? It's not so much a describing as it is uh, assigning a Yinzer voice to this this here Tom Parr Hardy picture. Everybody makes a big deal out of fucking Heinz because it's like from <laughs> Pittsburgh and the stadium and everything. But like you get that 89 cent stuff. It tastes just fine. Yeah, I, I can get like a gallon of ketchup from Aldi's. It ain't, ain't nothing special. <laughs> tastes just like Heinz. <laughs> you, go down to, you go down to B-dubs, you think they're using Heinz? No, they're mixing that... No, they're mixing. <laughs> yeah, they're mixing that uh, generic John Eagle brand. <laughs> All right, and this Tom has Hardy. been the segment on the show where we describe Tom fucking Hardy. Describing Tom Hardy. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. I want to l- extend a special thank you for. All of our new readers who have jumped in since our promo over with uh, the greatest generation. I'm a big fan of those guys. Adam and Ben are absolutely fucking hilarious. I am a many year um, friend of DeSoto and uh, drunk Shimoda enthusiast. I love those guys. They're fantastic. And I saw them in Pittsburgh. Speaking of speaking of uh, (laughs) speaking of Yins. Um, but uh for all of you and to everyone else until next time when we deliver you another batch of beasts bullywugs and bowls of flesh eating dessert fluff and if you'd be so kind as to tell a friend or support us by throwing oops all monsters a five-star review on itunes that really does help. Um, I have a Twitch channel. It's Gavin Longshanks at Twitch. Um, check it out sometime. I do things on there. Please, uh, if you do have the spoons, share an episode on whatever social media you're on, because I'm not doing it, and I'm the one in charge of doing it, because I fucking hate that shit. So hit up our Instagram for images that go along with each episode if you're Instagrammable. And comment on the Instagram with the monsters that you may want us to cover or see and email your suggestions. uh, And also email us uh, role-playing game stories, um, any story at all, uh, gaming mishaps, um, any type of great monster thing that you can come up with to oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to have like a My Favorite Murder style like parallel, you know, mini show where... Basically, you guys do the fucking work, and then we read it. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, but um, but in order to get that, we need to have a you know a certain flow of uh, we need a, a certain flow of D and D or role playing stories where things go really terribly, or you encounter a really you have a really interesting monster encounter, or anything that seems you know like. Uh, better than 4chan quality storytelling. So um, send those in when they occur to you, and when we, ha- when we have enough of them, we'll turn them into a thing. 
Um, So also, if you want to toss a coin into the potion fund, hit us up with a one-shot contribution at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. Or if you're feeling extra froggy, sign up at patreon.com slash oopsallmonsters. Lastly, I have to thank my wonderful friend Katie for our incredible theme song. Her work as part of the duo The Darling Kathleen's can be found at YouTube at The Darling Kathleen's. And finally, with that, I have been Hess. And I have been Gavin. And thusly, we have been... Oops. Oops. Oh, monsters, actually, in this case. Just little ones. Just little little piss-drinking fucking Little piss-drinking monst- monsters fucking... <laughs> who put piss in my apple juice. <laughs> who do not put piss in my apple juice? All right, let's close this fucker. <laughs> <laughs>